2: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey,
3: thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco. As we continue to look at the 2020 NFL Draft, we'll pretty much be doing draft-focused shows for most of this week because... Well, that is uh that is the biggest game in town. You know, most of us were betting on the draft. A ton of us are in these dynasty fantasy football leagues where the draft has has huge outcomes on uh on all of these players that we have been you know taking stock of for a few months. Uh, you know, and and just to start off with, Ricky, what was uh what was your experience like of of watching the virtual draft? I I kind of thought it was cool. Like I I actually kind of thought there were some reasons that it was cooler and better than, you know, the usual draft where, where everyone's all in the, the building.
4: Yeah, I do too. Um, there were a variety of things that were entertaining about it. First of all, you know, people's houses where we wouldn't already get that. Uh, you had the Husky sitting in Bill Belichick's seat, which was mildly amusing. You had the household, which was mildly amusing. So you you just got a sense of, you know, what was going on in the houses, along with, obviously, C.D. CD Lamb pulling the phone away from his girlfriend, just little things that you wouldn't have gotten uh, if they were all dressed up and, you know, sitting in the room with Roger Goodell. But I like the pace of it. I mean, I thought that worked out, you know, relatively nicely. Uh, We got to see Roger Goodell fumble the names, which was entertaining. My overall experience was, you know, it was nerve-wracking because I had a lot of money on the draft, so uh, that made it entertaining as is, but I, I liked it. I, I liked the look into people's houses, just getting a different feel than, you know, guy walking on stage, guy shaking Roger Goodell's hand, guy sits down. I mean, I think anything other than that was more entertaining, and so we got, you know, a little a little extra this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, I so I, I thought the broadcast was – mostly entertaining um i i enjoyed that on friday night i mean pacheco roger goodell was just done he was he was leaning back in that chair he was getting i mean i just i thought that i thought that part was hilarious and then on saturday he was just like you know what i'm done with this and they just they just kind of rotated the picks around Uh, i thought uh i thought trey wingo uh did a a particularly good job and most of the broadcast i thought people did uh, a, a pretty good job
5: yeah, it was pretty funny to see Roger Goodell just n- not give a care in the world anymore at that point and just sit back and call the names. That was pretty funny. Um, I, I honestly really enjoyed uh, the virtual draft, though. Frankly, I, don't, I didn't care how they did it. I just wanted to watch something you know, sports-related at this point, which I, I'm sure you guys uh, both would agree with that. Um, my favorite part was probably Belichick's dog. On his seat. That was, I, I just, I honestly knew that he was going to pull some shenanigans. And to see his dog, like, sitting there in, in front of the computers really did make me laugh.
4: Well, there was an underdog moment, by the way. Uh, and it probably was only to people under 35. And that was the fact that the NFL didn't realize that you could change your picture on Zoom. And that guy who's, you know, let's call it what it is. The guy who's naked in memes made it onto one of the Zooms. <laughs> When the Jets were picking, I thought that was the most underrated moment of the whole draft in terms of being absolutely.
3: Yeah, I, I, I mean, it was. uh, It definitely was. uh, It was. It was an entertaining draft. You know, there were there were just a lot of. uh, there were just a lot of different parts of it that was, uh, you know, just it, it was it was also just very nice to to have something on that everyone was watching, you know, very similar to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very similar to the last dance or whatever. You know, I just I think that uh, it was it was just nice to to sit back and be able to enjoy all that. So, uh, you know, here in this first segment, I thought we could kind of just talk about how our team's. Draft went uh, so you know the Cowboys, the New England Patriots, and the Chicago Bears, and and also you know uh, I I can't help but root for my local Kansas City Chiefs. So Ricky, the uh, the Bears, they uh, they have more tight ends on the roster than anyone else's team, and uh, you know they they still for for whatever reason found it prudent to use their first selection on Cole Komet with the forty third overall pick. They uh they took Cole Komet. How were you? How did you deal with that?
4: I Hate the pick, honestly, because it's that old adage: if you got two quarterbacks, you got none. And I have felt like if you have ten tight ends, you have none. And so sure, the Bears had a quantity of tight ends. But which one of them were quality? I guess they made the case for like Shaheen being okay. Uh, they signed Demetrius Harris. Jimmy Graham, I, I thought is pretty much done. So I still thought tight end was a position of need. I wanted them to sign Austin Hooper. I was okay with that. The thing I wasn't overly enthused about with the Bears draft, and I actually thought the Bears had a pretty good draft from the picks that they had. They didn't, you know, crazy trade up. They dealt with, you know, what they had to deal with in terms of having picks 43, 50, 155, 163 for their first four. Um, but they didn't select a safety. And, you know, they lost Ha Ha Clinton Dix. So I thought safety was a position of they addressed cornerback multiple times, which was fine, but it looks like we're about to go into a season with Eddie Jackson and Deion Bush as the starting safeties, and when you're talking about, you know, that Bears dominating defense, you want to be able to the backside, and I'm just not sure they can do that. So, I know they had limited options. They got a few corners. They got an edge rusher. They took a late receiver. I would have liked to have seen them take a starter quality safety, maybe even over Cole Clement if. In the, you know the the realm of possibility.
3: Yeah, I mean there were there were a lot of safeties available in this draft, right? So we had. Um... Grant Delpit and Xavier McKinney. There was Antoine Winfield Jr. There was, of course, the uh, 24-year-old D2 safety that the New England Patriots selected. I, I thought that the selection of Jalen Johnson and Darnell Mooney, both of them, I thought, were were pretty good selections for the Chicago Bears. You know, I, I wanted Dallas to take Jalen Johnson. I thought that they might even take Jalen Johnson with their pick in the first round at 17. You know, there was there was some hype around him, actually, being a first round selection also thought Kansas City might take him at 32 so I thought that was a, a really good pick I thought Darnell Mooney probably is a guy that just suits that Matt Nagy system very well he's like an undersized speedster that's been someone that Nagy has used in the past you know Tyreek Hill uh, had that role in Kansas City uh, and then we saw that role for Ty- Taylor Gabriel who is now a free agent so I, I thought um, you know I thought that that was overall yeah I, I thought that for how Ryan Pace generally goes about things. Uh, pretty, pretty good draft for him, Ricky.
4: Yeah, this was one of the better drafts. I mean, there was no Trubisky. There was no Kevin White. Um, again, I think the one regret is instead of Cole Komet taking a safety, and I think you could have found a tight end at, at 155 instead of an edge rusher, which which was also fine. I mean, I'm I'm not knocking that. That's one of the Bears' strengths, however. So it was a little bit of overkill. I just, the one regret is, is the starting safeties
3: all right pacheco your your new england football patriots they uh they had themselves they had themselves draft they take uh kyle duggar the safety from Lenoir Rhine, 24 years old played in college for six seasons applied for uh some medical hardships i believe in there seems like uh like quite a a freak athlete but uh you know what's our, what are what are what what are we gonna do? What what are we supposed to do here with this Patriots draft? I mean, how did you feel when they yeah. took the D two safety in the second round?
5: Um, you know, I didn't feel great. <laughs> I'll be honest, I didn't feel great. Um, I, I've always struggled with the Patriots and and their drafting. You know, because they've been such a successful franchise, and and Bill Belichick is such a great head coach that it's it's difficult. You know, for you to sit there and, and pick them apart and, and pick away at their deficiencies, but I'm sorry, drafting is just not one of their strong suits. Uh, I don't, I don't, I really don't believe it ever has, especially on the on the offensive side of things. Uh, they just don't seem to have it figured out, and so I, I always go into these drafts uh, honestly expecting the worst. Uh, this draft, I, I didn't think it was bad. Okay, I mean, I, I know they took uh, that's that safety in in the second round, Uh, they didn't end up taking the tight ends that I wanted. And I think that's probably what it comes down to, even though, you know, tight end was a really weak group uh, this season. I thought Cole Komet was the one that stood out the most from that group. Uh, Even then, his college production, you know, wasn't anything Incredible. I, I just thought he was better than you know the, the Devin Asiasi's of the world, uh, which they selected in the third round. Uh, and then of course uh, it comes out that Asiasi's like biggest weakness is uh, blocking, and so if if he doesn't improve that, it's going to be difficult for him to be a you know an all down. Type of tight end, uh, so we'll see what happens there. Defensively, I, I never really questioned that man. Uh, th- they selected Aperny Jennings from Alabama. I love that kid. I think he's going to be a stud at the NFL level, um, an edge rusher for Alabama. I-, I-, I thought he was great at the college football level, and he really stood out to me as a guy that could come into the NFL and dominate. So had no problems with that. Um, I had no problems from the the edge rusher that they selected from Michigan either. I mean. Really, I didn't really have any problems with any other draft picks. I just – I wished that they selected Kemet with that second-round pick. And obviously, they, they viewed that as an overpay, and they didn't select him as a result. Um, Duggar does look like a, a freak, as you mentioned, Davis, right. an a- athletic freak. Um, so maybe he does pan out, but I, I thought it was a little bit of a reach as well. You know, I, I don't understand – well, you have to select them in, the, in that place. I mean, I I You like, very I well just, could have them later. You
3: you can't... No one is going to be able to convince me that it was good to take Kyle Duggar over Grant Delpit. Like, Grant Delpit played for... He played against NFL players every game yeah. of his career. He, he played at LSU against, you know, future NFL players just all the time. Like, I just... I do not... I do not understand what... Uh, what, you know, I just... I don't understand, really, what was going on there. Um, so... Did you want them to take a quarterback, Pacheco? Were you were you disappointed that they they leave this draft? You know, not not only without yeah. Jalen Hurts, not only without they they just didn't bring anybody in at all. Just 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 absolutely no one. Like I I, I thought that was weird. It, like okay, so so even if you say Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts, uh, Jordan Love, whatever, those aren't those aren't our guys. I mean, I don't know if you're going to be able to convince me. That they shouldn't have taken Jake Eason, Jake Fromm, uh, mm-hmm. the kid from FIU. I mean, you, you, your quarterback room is Jared Stidham, Brian Orr. You don't even have a third quarterback. How, okay. how do they not take Anthony Gordon in the seventh round, even?
5: Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, so the other. Uh, player that I really wanted them to select in the second round was uh, was Jalen Hurts with that 37th, uh, 37th pick, um, which clearly they they didn't. And then Hurts went uh, in, in the 53rd pick, uh, I believe. Um, you know, if it was honestly Davis, if it wasn't Hurts, I, I could care less if they drafted yeah. a, a quarterback. I, I think the way they viewed this was we're not going to improve our situation by drafting one of these quarterbacks. So let's dip into that pool next year. If Stidham doesn't work out um, and if Stidham doesn't work out, right, it's, it's, it could end up being a disaster for the season, but I think that's kind of what, what their plans are. Um, Brian Hoarder is is not an, an NFL starting quarterback at this point in his career. So if Stidham doesn't work out, they're, they're kind of done for the season. And I hope, that if they realize their season is over, that they actually tank. And I, I just don't know if they're going to go in that direction. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. I wasn't honestly after Hertz went, I was like, you know what, whatever, you know, that was, our uh, that was my guy. Uh, none of these other guys are my guys. Um, I don't really see a need for them. And and I think they, they kind of viewed it similarly. They're, they're not going to improve the room. So why select one?
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that is, I think that's fair. So like, if they, you know, if they weren't gonna take Hurts, then whatever, right? Like I, I yeah. guess that that is, that's probably pretty fair. Um, so I, I think honestly, for the first time that I can really remember, you know, the the 2015 draft for the Dallas Cowboys was really good, but I, I think that. The Cowboys had the best draft of anyone, right? Like I, I mean, I. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins are probably close. Well, yeah. the Dolphins got a star quarterback. The Dolphins got a great offensive tackle. Um, they got a first-round defensive back. So it, it's hard to say that the Dolphins didn't have the the best draft in terms of the talent they added to the team. But Dallas was able to add a uh, starting wide receiver, a uh, starting cornerback, a rotational uh, interior defensive lineman in Neville Gallimore. Uh, they take Reggie Robinson from Tulsa, who is just like a spark freak at defensive back. You know, seems like a guy who, if he works out, like it could be a stud. Now, that's not to say he's for sure going to work out or anything. But I think the biggest deal for Dallas was this uh, Tyler Biedaz from Wisconsin, who was like uh, a basically a projected first round pick in a bunch of mock drafts last year. And I guess he had, you know, he had some medical issues this year, uh, but but pretty much if you were able to find, um, you know, Wisconsin defensive lineman Pacheco, like Wisconsin defensive lineman, th- those guys just go to the NFL and are great. Right. They, mm-hmm. they just churn out offensive linemen. So so as a fellow NFC fan, Ricky, are you watching the Dallas Cowboys draft as as? You know, Jerry's just out there on his super yacht heading, heading up this draft. What are, what are you thinking as Dallas runs through this draft?
4: Yeah, what I'm thinking is you got the owner being the general manager and just crushing, and you keep bringing in general manager after general manager with the Bears, and there have been some less than enthusiastic performances. So I'm not really sure what to make of it. I think the Cowboys had to be one of the best handful of drafts, no doubt. In fact, I think I would top three very safely. Miami's got to be up there uh, for sure. I mean, every pick was like a guy who I thought had fallen further than they should have basically until basically round seven, because Ben DiNucci was not some, you know, I don't think uh, they I'd, were I'd the literally, game.
3: I'd literally never heard of him. Yeah. yeah like, I mean, yeah. he's
4: a guy, but every single other player was, you know, 10, 15 spots higher on, on a lot of draft boards. I mean, CD lamb, uh, legitimately could and should have been uh, the first receiver off the board. You know Trayvon Diggs. I think he's a guy who's kind of scheme specific, but fits the Dallas Cowboys scheme. They the, the Cowboys just crushed it. And by the way, going back to the Patriots for a second, uh, Pacheco, I'm wondering how you're feeling about no Jameis Winston now that they took two guys. By the way, yep. with question with questionable Justin Rohrwasser was a guy getting his tattoo removed that supposedly uh, signifies white supremacy. And they signed Jeff Thomas, who was a guy who was probably like a fourth round grade, but had some off the field issues seems to be a Patriots thing. And then they don't sign Jameis Winston, you know, who had, I guess his worst was stealing lobster. (laughs)
5: Um, I mean, I, I don't like it. And I I also want them to, to go into the Cam Newton market and, and be able to, you know, to, to get them. But I clearly, uh, these guys want to go cheap at quarterback. Um they they don't feel like it's it's going I mean they just team, they just must crazy. be looking
3: at the NFL right now and they the, the Patriots I think have to be saying we're not going to win this year and not yeah. only are we not going to win this year there might not even be a season there might not even be a full season and maybe maybe that's what Belichick's doing. Maybe Belichick yeah. is Jedi mind tricking us, you know, taking a bunch of guys who are going to be ready to play, you know, going to be available to play in 2021. And, and maybe he thinks like, oh, there is some way that I'm going to be able to get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields in 2021. You know, maybe there, there is a way that I can work it out. So, you know, Belichick, he, he always seems to have a plan of, uh, of some yeah. variety. We can definitely say that. So we are going to go ahead and head to break real quick here on the daily Roto hour on sports grid TV. When we return, we are going to continue running through some of the biggest storylines from the 2020 NFL draft talk about some of our bets and uh, you know just continue to enjoy this awesome draft discussion All right, everyone, hello, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco as we continue to break down the 2020 NFL Draft and all of its impacts on betting and, and how teams work and futures and everything like that. Um, Pacheco, to me, funniest moment of the draft, the Green Bay Packers select... Jordan Love with pick number twenty-six. I mean, just watching the collective reactions from Twitter and thinking about how mad Aaron Rodgers had to have been. I mean, I I just could not have enjoyed myself any more with the Packers taking Jordan Love at pick twenty-six.
5: Yeah, it's a, a puzzling move, uh, to to put it best. Um, doesn't improve their current situation, which led them to an, an NFC championship appearance last season. Um, and who knows if it really improves their future outlook. I mean, Jordan Love is not a surefire quarterback. So by selecting him in the first round, it's it's not like we got to say, well, he's, he's definitely going to pan out. Uh, Green Bay is definitely going to make an effort. To, to make it pan out, and, and he's going to be their, you know, quote-unquote guy after Aaron Rodgers. But we ha- I don't really have that much confidence uh, in him. I didn't have much confidence in him as a prospect going into the draft. Uh, I guess it's a good situation that he landed with the Packers, but for them not to select uh, a skilled player in the first round that could help their current situation – uh, I thought was one of the worst moves, uh, perhaps the worst move in the entire draft. Uh, whether you think Aaron Rodgers is washed or not, uh, he needs help. Uh, right now, it's, it's Dev- Devontae Adams or bust. Um, and they didn't really improve their situation at all at wide receiver. In fact, I don't even think they selected a wide receiver uh, this year in the draft, which uh, I just, I, I'm not going to be able to understand that one.
3: They did not select a wide receiver. They selected Josiah DeGuerra from Cincinnati with the 94th pick. Uh, he's a tight end, but, well, listed as a tight end, but he's actually kind of more of like a fullback, H-back style player. And I think the point that you make is correct. We're like, So even if you think Aaron Rodgers is washed, you're paying him a ton of money. Your easiest path to winning a championship, to playing really well as the Green Bay Packers is not going to be through drafting a rookie quarterback, paying him good money, you know, paying him pick 26 money Mm -hmm. and paying Aaron Rodgers all that money. Your best path is going to be for Aaron Rodgers playing well, for Aaron Rodgers to be supported and, uh... You know, it just it using the first round pick when you already have a quarterback that you're paying a ton of money on your roster, it it's not an efficient use of resources. I think it's very different than what the Eagles did in selecting Jalen Hurts with the um when when they selected Jalen Hurts with the uh 52nd overall pick. You know, I, I think that those things are incredibly different. Um, Ricky, you're a Bears fan. You you want you want the Packers to <laughs> fail. You you live up there in Wisconsin. Uh, you know what are what are you feeling when we're when we're down there with the uh, when we're we're down there thinking about the Packers selecting a quarterback with pick twenty six?
4: I think they did a, tr- a great job of failing in this draft. I honestly didn't understand the draft whatsoever. Uh, after Jordan Love, the next two picks were equally as puzzling. A.J. Dillon, when you've got a running back who scored 20 touchdowns last year, and Josiah Deguera is a guy who they view as a fullback. They said they want to use him in the Kyle check role. So I just don't understand what the Packers were doing here. Instead of trying to get better, they were finding competition for a bunch of their best guys and taking players probably two rounds over where they should go. So I just don't understand.
3: Yeah, and I mean, okay, so I think another point that we should make is – I don't believe that it was like a scenario where they jumped up in the draft to take Patrick Mahomes, right? Where they where they jumped up to take Deshaun Watson. To me, I think that this is a lot more like trading up to draft Mitch Trubisky. So these are Jordan Love's college stats. Uh, 2017 as, uh, as a freshman at Utah State, 6.5 adjusted yards per attempt, eight touchdowns, six interceptions on 235 passing attempts. Uh, his sophomore season at Utah State is what people, you know, like this is kind of the, the season that made him a draftable quarterback. 9.4 adjusted yards per attempt, 32 touchdowns, six interceptions. Um, I guess worth noting that that season at Utah State, he played with, uh darwin thompson who is you know an nfl player and uh you know that's that uh, you know and darwin was one of the best players in the mountain west that year his final season at utah state 6.4 adjusted yards per attempt 20 touchdowns 17 interceptions so you know i just i i I, like if if there are fans out there of the packers who were like oh you know we got our mahomes this is like or mm-hmm. it, and I mean Pacheco, you know the the comparison that people are making is this is like when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers when they already had Brett Favre. So a couple things are different about that. First, is the wage scale is way different now. So quarterbacks just take up you know a huge chunk of the cap compared mm-hmm. to what they used to take up. So that's much different. But also at that point, Brett Favre was just like people thought Brett Favre might retire that off season, right? And, Oh, so all, again another weird thing was rogers was maybe going to go first overall the 49ers take alex smith instead so mm-hmm. it just it just universally these these are different calibers of prospects basically
5: uh very worlds apart uh different type of prospects and it's, it's also not a carson one situation either right like uh, Wentz averaged uh, an 8.4 yards per attempt uh, at a, I believe, a D2 school uh, as well in, in college. Um, again, just very different type of prospects. The other thing that I don't understand about this move is in the current NFL, right? When you select uh, a quarterback in the draft, especially in the first round, the hope is that you can build around him, you know, in the immediate future because he's going to take less of your cap away. And so then you can build a competitive roster around that quarterback. Well, this one doesn't make any sort of sense in the current NFL, because now you're paying Aaron Rodgers all this money. Then then you're going to pay Jordan Love as well. For what, really? Uh, If Rodgers is going to be your starting quarterback for the next three to four years— you just kind of wasted one of the, the biggest efficiencies right now in, in the NFL draft. So I, I don't understand it from that standpoint either. And maybe it's it's just it's not supposed to make sense, right? The move is just it's puzzling in general.
3: All right. So now we uh we, we should talk about the other quarterback that people were, were sort of upset that he went so early. Ricky, Jalen Hurts goes at pick fifty-two to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I have to say I view this Tr- this selection favorably for a couple reasons. Uh, first reason being, I have never been the biggest Carson Wentz guy. I think that there are a couple different issues with Carson Wentz. One of them being durability. So if you look at, uh, you know, if you look at Carson Wentz's pro career, he has missed a ton of time. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl uh, with with Nick Foles. In fact, um, the only year that Carson Wentz played a full season was his first year and last year for the Philadelphia Eagles, um, and then, you know, had uh, not a particularly great playoff game. So how are you thinking about the Jalen Hurts selection at 52 for the Philadelphia Eagles?
4: Because it's later, it's better than the Jordan Love signing, and we talked about Hurts and how he could fit into the NFL. He could be a nice gimmick quarterback until the Eagles figure out what they're doing. Like, then they have the option that if Jalen Hurts looks like he's legitimate, he could be the guy you know, especially if Wentz continues to suffer injuries, or if, you know, they improve this wide receiver core and Wentz can't make it work, they could move to Hertz. Or if Wentz is working, they could just keep going with, you know, using him in a Taysom Hill role. So I think it just gives them options.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it gives them a ton of options. I mean, something that I've always said Pacheco is that I wish more teams had, you know, kinds of quarterback rotations and it's it's frustrating when the New Orleans Saints do it because Drew Brees is a Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, he just mm-hmm. he sets records for accuracy. The offense is clearly so good when he is in there. Taysom Hill kind of takes away from those things. Um right. and maybe maybe that is maybe that is me just not understanding uh, how good Taysom Hill is, you know, maybe maybe the the analytics inside the Saints organization, maybe maybe they have, you know, way better stuff, you know, way better math on how Taysom Hill impacts scoring than I do. Um, but I, I just I love the idea of Jalen Hurts being uh, a rotational quarterback for the Eagles. I, and And even more than that can you really have too many good quarterbacks? Like, let's say Jalen Hurts tears up the preseason and then Carson Wentz gets hurt in week four, has to take two weeks off. Jalen Hurts is really good in both of those games. Like, are you telling me you can't trade Carson Wentz and or Jalen Hurts for, like, way more than you paid for them in the first place? Like, I think you get, you'll get better return on quarterback than any other position.
5: Yeah, I think I agree with you uh, from that standpoint, Davis. I think... This is a very easy decision uh, for the Eagles. Last season, while they were trying to be competitive and and make a playoff run, once Carson Wentz went down, their backup quarterback was, drumroll please, Josh McGowan, who was literally shouldn't have been playing at the NFL level, and he was thrown in there because they had no other choice. Um, They just don't have a quality backup. Their last quality backup was Nick Foles, and go figure. Carson Wentz goes down. Nick Foles ends up going to the Super Bowl and beating the Patriots. Not saying that you know it, this is a similar situation, but having a a quality backup quarterback at the NFL level is very meaningful. Now, you know whether you spent a second round pick for it or or whatnot. That's a, an entire. I mean, there were story. there
3: were I believe the number is that there were fifty nine different quarterbacks who threw a pass last year, and I think it was yeah. like. 46 quarterbacks who started a game last year those numbers are right Mm -hmm. off the top of my head so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna swear 100 that uh that those are accurate but like last year was like the year of backup quarterbacks i mean ricky your team your team's paying well was paying chase daniel a ton of money to be their backup quarterback and even bench trubisky at some point like if if instead of you know, paying like instead of trading for Nick Foles, if they took Jalen Hurts with the, I think they picked at fifty and at forty-six. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they had if they had selected Jalen Hurts instead, how are you feeling about that?
4: Uh, I would be feeling much better about that. I didn't think Nick Foles was the answer. Looking at the other free agents on the market, like I would have much rather they took a shot on Cam Newton or Jameis Winston. I I know Nick Foles has the Super Bowl to his resume, but at this point, I think that's the number one thing on his resume. Like, if he were turning it in, he, his three bullet points should be Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Like, I don't think there's really another huge selling point considering from the eye test last year, Gardner Minshew just looked better. I mean, we saw Foles look pretty good in a preseason game where he was throwing to DD Westbrook constantly, gets hurt, comes back, and Minshew was just flat out outperforming him. So, I don't know why he was the guy other than his past relationship with Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy, in fact, convinced him to come back to football when he was thinking of quitting, which for some reason Matt Nagy has viewed as a positive all these years. When to me, you know, the fact that the guy wanted to quit was potentially a negative unless it was, you know, for his physical health, in which case I can understand but I would be feeling much better with Jalen Hurts. I want the high upside guy. I know he takes a while to throw, but Nagy's offense is a lot of throws on the run, where it shouldn't matter too much. And if he could just make those throws better than Trubisky, they'd be in good shape. So I would have rather gone that route than signing Nick Foles. But it is what it is.
3: All right. I I want to I do I want to go back to the I want I want to go back to the Packers draft Pacheco. So then they take AJ Dillon. Who you know, they already have Aaron Jones, they already have Jamal Williams, they spent uh, you know, resources on uh, you know, they they spent resources on Dexter Williams last year. So I just I am uh, I am sort of confused overall on on the plan here. They take Josiah Deguerra, then they take Kamal Martin, then they take John Runyon, then they take Jake Hansen, and uh I, I just I don't understand. What the what the plan for the Packers is, right? And and they're just there's so much criticism of this draft, and I I think it is all basically entirely warranted. Like I think this is a situation where we can say at the time that it it's not a it's not a good draft because this was a team that was in the NFC Conference Championship game last year. Now, granted, we all think that at thirteen and three they were, you know, they were pretty fraudulent, right? That this was a a fraudulent team to get to the NFC Championship game. But the fact remains, they were still there. They don't do anything to improve their offense in this draft.
5: Yeah, um, even the A.J. Dillon pick was uh, just confusing. I I, I guess seeing Aaron Jones blossom the way he has, anytime you want to take away playing time from that guy, you're not going to get the nod from me. And and I know A.J. Dillon could could certainly work uh, as a goal linebacker, and whatnot, but all things considered, I just don't see him being a more talented player than Aaron Jones. Granted, running back position is one that's attrition. Like there's a lot of injuries and I do understand that, but I guess my, my guess with the Packers in this draft is they didn't see wide receivers uh, after the top tier. Like they just didn't see them as being that talented. So they'd rather go elsewhere. I I don't know how to explain it other than that.
4: Well, hold on, hold on, because if we're talking talent, A.J. Dillon wasn't even on Pro Football Focus's board as a guy who should be drafted.
3: I mean, A.J. Dillon, I think, is like a – like, I thought he was a good player. Like, I don't don't think that adding A.J. Dillon is bad. Like, I think A.J. Dillon is going to be a useful NFL player – Um, I just think he doesn't particularly make sense with the Packers because they already have useful running backs on their roster. And they they should, I mean, I guess the the big thing, Ricky, that does not make sense is that everything we heard about the Packers draft was they wanted to become more run-oriented. They wanted to be more like that 49ers team that just ran all over them. And to me, that's taking too much of a lesson from one game and it's just it 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 just it seems like an irresponsible draft strategy that goes away from what we know works in the NFL right now.
4: Yeah, and if that's the strategy, I mean, the the offensive lineman they took uh, didn't grade incredibly well either. I mean, John Runyon, he's got the bloodline, but you would have think thought if that was the strategy, maybe you take it, you know, you enhance the offensive line earlier than that. So I just don't know what the Packers were doing. I think we can say that this was the worst draft in all of the NFL pretty easily, honestly. There were some other teams that had some head-scratching picks. This was just a full-on head-scratching draft where it seemed like they were, I don't know, half playing for the future, half tanking a draft instead of trying to just get better.
3: Yeah, just uh, really overall bizarre stuff. So we are... Again, going to head into break here on the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. Going to continue our discussion of the 2020 NFL Draft when we get back. Going to talk about the Buccaneers. Uh, We are going to talk about the Miami Dolphins and more. So just in a few minutes, we will be back here and uh, continue chatting the 2020 NFL Draft All right, everyone, hello, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddox, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco. So we continue running through the 2020 NFL Draft, as we will be doing all week here on the show. So we've uh, we've talked about the Packers, we've talked about the Eagles. Um, I think we need to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers draft now, Pacheco. They, uh, they are all in. On Tom Brady. They are all in on making the passing game better. They are all in on finding ways for things to be better and easier for Tom Brady. So they get Tristan Wirfs with their first selection. Uh, they get what I think seemed like a steal in Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, as, I believe, the second safety off the board. Uh, don't quote me on that. I don't have all of the the boards pulled up right now, but that is uh, that's how I remember those things going. Um, so just again, as a as a, a lifelong Patriots fan, you're you're looking at this team go all in on Brady. How does that make you feel?
5: Well, it's 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 pretty awesome, and and I'm glad that they understand. Okay, we have a you know we have Tom Brady on our roster now. Uh, he's he's not in his prime years anymore, but we're going to try to help him as much as we can and build a, you know build an offense. Uh, around him, and I think clearly that's what the Buccaneers uh, are doing in this draft, including drafting Keshawn Vaughn in uh, in that first pick that they had uh, with the uh, second pick that they had, um, which is very meaningful, obviously, because they they add a pass catching back to that. That backfield, they didn't have one. Uh, it didn't seem like Ronald Jones was the answer either, either even though I, I think I'm, I'm a little bit higher on, on Rojo uh, than some of the industry folks. Um, but with Vaughn in that backfield, I, I think it's it's pretty safe to say uh, that he's going to fill in as a you know kind of like that James White role uh, where I, I would expect them at the very least to be very involved uh, in passing downs. And so uh, I think it's I think it's a good draft. For them, I think adding Vaughn uh, really solidifies their backfield a bit.
3: All right, Ricky, let's talk Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, where do you where do you think that he lines up um, relative to? The uh, the rest of these rookie running backs, you know, are you are you team? They're going to use him right away. He's going to be super valuable and super meaningful for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, do you think he's going to beat out Rojo? Do you think that you know Dare Ogunbowale is going to be a name that only super super fantasy nerds are going to remember, or do you think that? You know, actually very similar to Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones was drafted highly by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A lot of people thought he was going to be great. And uh, he turned out to not be very great. You know, turned out to be uh, a tough scene for fantasy football. Where are you right now? Uh, We're sitting here in late April. We are thinking about we are thinking about Keyshawn Vaughn. Where are we at? My
4: opinion is he's gonna play a meaningful role. Look, how people forget so quickly with Ronald Jones just how much concern there was around him. I mean, this is a guy who's had issues with pass protection, but also if you remember back to last offseason, he was having issues catching the football. There was quotes from his uh, his coordinator that he was using weird form to catch the football. Like he wasn't. I remember that. Yeah. His two hands out. So he was having issues with that. So I don't think, you know, being a receiving back is ever within the range of possibilities with him. And Keyshawn Vaughn wasn't like a huge pass catcher in college, but I think there were enough concerns with Ronald Jones that, you know, the team went in with him last year, you know, hoping there was going to be some potential. He looked okay, but I think the team decided that they probably need to move forward elsewhere. And I think Keyshawn Vaughn is a guy who should play a meaningful role from day one, would not be surprised if he outsnaps Ronald Jones, but I think Ogumba Wally is going to be needed either way. I don't think you can just turn Keyshawn Vaughn into the James White. I'm not sure that's his skill set. A guy who caught only 28 passes last year, uh, scored one receiving touchdown. I think Ogumba Wally's better suited to be their James White than Vaughn. Um, but I don't think this is going to be like a Patriots backfield where it's a three-man rotation. I think one of Vaughn and Jones is going to win the competition to be the main guy. I would not be surprised if it was Vaughn. Vaughn to me is like a top thirteen to fifteen overall rookie in all formats, whether it's seasonal or whether it's dynasty. I think he's probably higher in seasonal.
3: I think so. I I, I agree with you that he should go p- higher in seasonal than in dynasty. And Pacheco, my reasoning for that is. You know, what do we what do we think the plan is for the Buccaneers after Tom Brady is gone? You know, and and, you know, this is another point that I want to talk about, which is, you know, this this could go more poorly for Tom Brady than people are anticipating. I, I, I gave a look at Peyton Manning's pro football reference page last night. Peyton Manning's second to last season in Denver, he was 38 years old. He threw for 4,700 yards, 39 touchdowns. Denver won 12 games. They they steamrolled over absolutely everybody on offense. What's funny is that actually was not their best season, right? They won the Super Mm -hmm. Bowl next year in a year in which uh, Peyton Manning got benched for Brock Osweiler. Like People can say he got hurt, but what happened was he got benched he got benched for Brock Osweiler and he completely fell off the map. Now I'm not saying Tom Brady is going to fall off the map. What yeah. my opinion is, is that it is not priced into the market right now that it is possible that Tom Brady is done. I, I think people are valuing. Um, I believe that people are valuing that offense Pacheco like they are valuing um, the like peak Tom Brady, essentially.
5: Yeah. yeah. Well, no. I mean, I don't think we have a, a peak Tom Brady situation anymore. Maybe, I mean, maybe not peak 40. Tom
3: Brady. Maybe 26 yeah. Tom Brady is what they think.
5: Yeah. Well, I don't think that that's the case. Like, I don't think that's what's going to happen here. But given their skilled players, I have a hard time believing Brady is going to struggle. And, and given the fact that he's not a guy that throws downfield much either, um, if, if they're just able to, to tailor an offense – like the one he had in New England with these skilled players, I have a hard time believing that that he's going to fail uh, in any capacity. It would really be an injury, uh, more than anything, uh, that that would really take him off the map. And if that's the case, I mean, yeah, the the Bucks aren't built right to to have a backup quarterback um, go in there and be productive because their backup situation is horrid. Um, so I don't even that I don't even know rips. who it
3: is. Is it is it Ryan Griffin still? Like I I literally right now do not know who the Buccaneers' backup quarterback is.
5: I thought they had signed um Blaine Gabbert, maybe who, who no, obviously' you're right.
3: You're right. I, I, I think that is right. I do think that it is it is Blaine Gabbert. they, they, they can't hilarious. have
5: him. they ha- they can't have him go in there and and play. so it's it is a lot of risk because uh, if Brady goes down, there's no one to go to. But I don't think this is a there there is a performance risk per se. I think uh, Brady is Brady's gonna be fine.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think there is I think there is some risk for Brady, just that his body, just mm-hmm. that his body, you know, does not uh, does not oh, wow. allow him to be what we think of when we think of Tom Brady. So Keyshawn Vaughn, I, again, I I think is a guy who's a little bit better for redraft than for dynasty purposes. Uh, one of the one of the things that happened in this draft was that we saw uh, Tyler Johnson go much later than like fantasy Twitter expected, Ricky. You know, people really like ty- Tyler Johnson. Generally, I'm one of those guys, like I'm one of the people that's like, oh, you know, Keem Butler, he needs to go earlier. And in the case of ty- Tyler Johnson, I-, I totally understood. So, you know, Tyler Johnson had a-, a poor combine. He just, he was not particularly good at the combine. He didn't get a senior bowl invite. So I actually didn't really have much of a problem understanding why it was that Tyler Johnson went so late. What do you, what do you think about his sort of uh, Intermediate, like mid, like future fantasy value. Do we think that he's going to beat out Justin Watson, Scotty Miller? Uh, you know, do we think he he even really plays for them this season much at all?
4: I don't. I think that Scotty Miller is more the kind of Brady guy, the Julian Edelman over the middle of the field. I don't think there's an immediate need for Tyler Johnson. Who, by the way, shout out to player profile profiler who always gives us the player comps. Corey Davis, who we all know has been such a fun player to roster in fantasy since he came into the league, uh, is the comp for Tyler Johnson. But, yeah, I mean, he was a top 50 overall guy on on the PFF board. I had him just outside the top 50. Uh, but for him to go at, you know, like 161, that was a great value here. I just don't think it's an immediate need for this Buccaneers team. I don't think it's an immediate fit because Brady loves those guys over the middle of the field, he's got two loaded tight ends, Rob, Rob Gronkowski and O.J. Howard, assuming they keep him. He's got those two monster receivers. He potentially has three backs with one of them specializing in, in receiving, Adara Gumbawale. Like, where's Tyler Johnson going to fit into this team? At best, he's, t- he's target eight, like, on the offense. So I don't think he's a guy that you want to be drafting in seasonal. Maybe in, you know, dynasty leagues, because Mike Evans might eventually find his way out of town, Gronkowski's not going to last, Brady likely doesn't last, but I don't think you see a return on Tyler Johnson for some time if you see one at all.
3: Yeah, and I, I think he is just pretty likely to be, you know, a, a little bit overvalued, so uh, moving to the Minnesota Vikings, Pacheco, I, I thought that Minnesota had a great draft, so they take three guys who were projected to be first-round picks, uh, so we get... Um, uh, Justin Jefferson, Jeff Gladney, Ezra Cleveland. I was not a fan of the Cameron Dantzler selection. He was one of the worst athletes at the cornerback position in the 2020 NFL draft. But I thought Jefferson and Gladney, that's about as much of a home run as you were going to see in the first round of the draft, Pacheco. What, do you, what were you thinking? Uh, and, and here's a question for you. Justin Jefferson or Jalen Rager? This was something that I was debating a ton in my rankings when I, when I sent them out on sportsgrid.com. Ended up siding with Jalen Rager. Uh, where, where are you at with that?
5: Man, that's a, that's a really tough one. Because I, I think Rager, he's in a better situation for, for kind of volume right away. Um, Jefferson, though, to be fair to him, he's he's going to step in into that Stephon Diggs role uh, since Diggs is no longer in town. Personally, I, I like Jefferson a little bit better than Rager as a prospect. So um, I would give him the nod over Rager, but I think it is it is very close. Uh, and I thought Minnesota's draft was was really, really strong uh, as well. That seems to be the consensus answer. Uh, but Jefferson at 22, I, I thought – you know, was great, even though I, th- I thought the Eagles would want to dip into the the C.D. Lamb or, G- or Jerry Judys of the world. I think settling with uh, Justin Jefferson uh, works out just fine. Um, Jeff Gladney was another strong pick as well. Like, I-, I thought they I thought they did pretty well, all things considered. And they had a lot of draft capital in this draft. So um, I thought they turned. Uh, you know, I, I thought they they turned it into a really strong draft, perhaps one of the strongest um, out there.
3: I thought another one of the things they did really well was they had, I think the number was that they had... Um... I believe it was that they had 14 selections set up to be made on day three, Ricky. And what they did was brilliant, which is like what a ton of us try and do in these fantasy drafts that we are in, which is turn your current year picks and flip them over into more picks a year down the line. And, and I mean, theoretically, if if Minnesota does this properly, I mean, they are going to be able to they are going to be able to just, you know, keep parlaying these picks. Year over year over year, Ricky, and 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 they're going to be, you know, they're just going to be building up their their draft equity, basically.
4: Yeah, with how many picks they had, it didn't make sense to make all of them. So I think what they did was was really smart in terms of just trying to build for the future, knowing that you were already loaded with new guys to bring into your roster this year. I just want to make the case for the Vikings that Justin Jefferson was the right guy for them. For an offense that doesn't really want to throw the ball down the field, uh, I don't think Rager was like a good fit for this offense. So the fact that he went and they were able to fall into Justin Jefferson and fill the role of the guy – Uh, who had just left. I mean, props to, it was a writer from Dynasty League Football who was tweeting out player comps uh, that Justin Jefferson's some of the closest comps to him, Sammy Watkins, who is a bit of a speed guy, but Reggie Wayne uh, is a similar athletic profile to Justin Jefferson, which was an eye-opener to me. And a reason that I think I'm going to be higher on Justin Jefferson than most of the most of the fantasy industry, especially in the short term. I think in terms of 2020, if the season plays, fantasy viable wide receivers from this class – to me, it's easily Justin Jefferson over CeeDee Lamb. I think I like Justin Jefferson over Jerry Judy in year one, especially because they brought in you know, two receivers. I think Justin Jefferson might be the most valuable fantasy rookie this year. I would take him before any of the other fantasy rookies, and I think it's just a really good fit. And a guy who's built somewhat similar to Stefan Diggs, a possession receiver, which is what Diggs did. I think it's, a, it's just a really good fit.
3: Yeah, what do you what do you what do you think about? It? Do you, do you agree with Ricky's analysis there, Pacheco? That it's uh, a good a good scheme mm-hmm. fit. I I think it probably is. Um, the the hesitation that I would have for fantasy purposes is we just you know we know that they just want to pound the ball. They just want to run yeah. the ball a ton. No, that's correct. I, I think scheme
5: wise though, yeah, it, it it does make a lot of sense. But probably one of the better fits. Uh, For sure. I think as far as value right away, um, I I really see Henry Ruggs uh, as potentially the most valuable. The the Raiders selected him. He was the first wide receiver off the board, um, which which says a lot. Not that I I thought he should have been, but the Raiders did that. And I I think Ruggs is probably going to have a little bit more immediate value than Jefferson, uh, at least in the foreseeable future.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that is, um, you know, that is certainly that is certainly the uh, the case. So, all right, the last thing, uh, just just real quick, I, I want to get a five year prediction from you guys on Tua versus Herbert. Uh, who does who does better next five years, Tua or Herbert Pacheco? Kind of, what do you what do you think over the course of their rookie contract? What do you think Tua and Herbert look like?
5: I think Tua is going to be better, even if he sits out a year, which I think is going
3: to be the case. Pretty, pretty strong take. Ricky, where are you at? Tua versus Herbert next five years.
4: Yeah, I think Herbert sees the field sooner, but I think Tua is the better investment as long as that hip holds up. He's more of a question mark, but I would take my shot on Tua over Herbert, no question.
3: Yeah. So some of the other things that we are going to continue breaking down here for the rest of the week, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about some of these landing spots. Uh, We also do not have full undrafted free agent lists from a ton of these teams, you know, they're starting to trickle in and I know that I know that when we start talking about undrafted free agents, you know, some people kind of roll their eyes, but these are these are guys who end up mattering because when you hit on undrafted free agents that you you're paying them such so little as a franchise that they end up being super valuable and you know kind of more and more what we see with day 3 picks is that undrafted free agents get more guaranteed money so sometimes like you'd rather be an undrafted free agent than a fifth round draft pick if you're trying to get that guaranteed money so uh, for the rest of the week here on the daily roto hour we are going to continue breaking down the 2020 NFL draft going to be talking grades selections undrafted free agents we will be back tomorrow with even more content for all of you guys hope you guys enjoyed it and uh, we will talk to you soon
6: DailyRoto.com.
2: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick